Good morning Europe, your Gaia X updates, live from London, by the Uptime Punks and Echo. Welcome back to the latest and greatest from the Gaia X universe. It's the Uptime Punks and we are here with Echo and Trust the Cloud, namely with Emma from Echo and um, Thomas Niesen. Uh, it's actually Emma who will lead most of this podcast and ask the tricky questions. And um, But before that, I would like to know, Thomas, from you a little bit um, about you. So you're the Managing Director Competence Network Trust at Trust the Cloud. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you do for and in the Gaia X universe. Podcasts. Seriously, I wear uh, different hats to, to quote uh, Tim. So on the one hand, I'm a managing director of the Competence Network Trusted Cloud, which is a public-private partnership in Germany between the uh, Federal Ministry of Economic Affairs and Energy and uh, users and cloud providers, providing some yeah, foundation work for trustworthy cloud computing. Uh, apart from that, I'm part of the ENISA uh, ad hoc working group working on the uh, cloud security certification under the Cyber Security Act. I'm a member of the technical committee as well as the policy rules committee of Gaia-X. So uh, to cut a long story short, my life uh, consists mainly of having uh, web meetings, coordinating, uh, coming up with uh, new fancy rules and, and policies for uh, Gaia-X. And uh, in addition to that, uh, doing a little bit of public relations like uh, in this podcast. All right, one could say that you are almost a colleague of ours, a fellow podcaster then. Um, it's great to see uh, that not only we are doing uh, podcasts. Jokes aside, um, what's the latest and greatest you brought with us? Tell us. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is Uptime Punks. This is not uh, just another podcast, so uh, you're only getting invited if you have uh, something really where uh, the title Good Morning Europe or, or Buckle Up Europe uh, fits in that regard. So, and uh, the uh, two things I got uh, today, which I uh, wanted to present for the first time uh, Europe-wide uh, on Good Morning Europe are the uh, edition of the technical architecture document of Gaia-X, as well as the policy rules document of Gaia-X, which have recently been published, and uh, we're talking about very, very recently been published. So, Thomas, I think the last version that was published was uh, of last year in June, right? And um, now we have the new policy rules version that is has been published, maybe... Um, Maybe to understand it, or as I understand it, so the policy rules are kind of the governance framework for Gaia-X, right? And um, would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I, I would use a different metaphor. Uh, the um, the policy rules are sort of like uh, guardrails on the highway. So uh, making sure that everybody is following uh, the same direction, does not deviate from the 
uh, right way so to keep all the cars uh, from crashing into each other and uh, enabling really a smooth transit and this is what the policy rules are about uh, those are of course uh, like like guard rates a little bit of, of high level but uh, i think if you look at them carefully uh, you will find a lot of operative things which make our promise of keeping or adhering to the european value and uh, who was working on this uh on the new policy rules is it the aisbl or is it the community and how does the process look like well uh as as practically everything or removal practically as as everything in gaia x uh, this is really a community effort i would not um, differentiate between uh, community and AISBL since uh, AISBL is part of the True. community or the yeah. other way around. So uh, this is really a, a community effort. Uh, if we uh, really cut it down to the uh, policy rules, as you have mentioned correctly, Emma, the first version was published in uh, on 4th of June uh, 2020. Uh, at this time, there was a uh, yeah political meeting between uh, the German uh, minister Altmaier and his co French colleague uh, Bruno Le Maire, where the Gaia X uh, initiative was really put on rails, uh, so to speak. Um, so since then, of course, uh, a lot of things uh, have been happening. We got feedback on the uh, first uh, version of the policy rules. Uh, we all hopefully got a little bit smarter. Uh, there have been a lot of developments which we could not anticip anticipate. Uh, maybe the experts know about the Schrems II verdict, uh, which regards uh, data privacy. Uh, the EU is coming up with all sorts of interesting uh, regulatory initiatives like the Data Governance Act. So uh, this uh, is all uh, happening at the same time when you have uh, published those things so even at that uh, time so June 2020 we already knew uh, that uh, a revision would take place uh, in a certain period of time so uh, what we did actually to come uh, now really closer to your question is to put uh, those policy rules again up for consultation in the community so we received about uh, I guess more than 600 suggestions how to improve on those uh, policy rules and uh, building up on that, a uh, a group has been formed which took all those comments into consideration, came up with uh, a revised version of the policy and rules which uh, are now published and will again be put to consultation since uh, sometimes I have the impression this will never end. So, uh, so what was one of the most common uh, questions that you guys got like? was common like oh you need to change this uh, okay like, from 600 probably 300 but just the same thing just well, in different yeah, words uh, no? uh, obviously you have uh, clusters of uh, of comments um, the main comment or, or the main cluster of comments was um, in the first version uh, we really had a yeah high variance of uh, what we had as, as policy rules in the sense that they were addressing different levels so uh, they were addressing, on the one hand, high-level objectives, on the other hand, very detailed requirements. So uh, this is something which uh, we have really cleaned up in the new version now, so to stick to really one level and uh, work, uh, work downwards uh, from there. So th this was something uh, which was really uh, mentioned in, in quite a lot uh, of comments. A second cluster of comments was 
uh, in the first version of the policy rules, we had a differentiate. We had, in essence, two sets of policy rules: one for infrastructure and one for uh, software and data as a service. And uh, since uh, most of the people um, recognize that there are more communalities between those uh, two sets of rules than differentiating factors, uh, we have simplified it by putting it all together into one set of policy rules, which makes the access, uh, I guess, a little bit easier. So those were the two main clusters. Apart from 500 uh, very detailed comments, uh, but uh, I'm going to spare you okay. all of them. And um, I mean, there are some also, as you said, some other initiatives going on or activities in parallel to Gaia-X. So uh, I mean, maybe it's some of the listeners are already knowing that there is also an EU cloud rulebook. Um, so how do you, what would you say, how do the Gaia-X policy rules relate to the rule? A rule book? Is it like a Bible for cloud <laughs> providers? <or what>? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, I want to become a cloud provider. Okay, this is your Ten Commandments. You have to study them. Otherwise, you're not allowed to run a data center. Uh, this is interesting. Never heard of that one before. Um Thanks for bringing this one up. Yeah, Thomas. I'm surprised you're using the commandments or the Bible uh, because uh, you being from, from England, I would have expected something like the laws of cricket, uh, but it's uh, not even that. Uh, it's, it's really um, a framework of uh, best practices or good practices, uh, which are right now compiled by the European Commission, which concern, uh, of course, issues like uh, data privacy, security, but also uh, contractual frameworks um, and uh, some regulations on, on free flow of data. So it's uh, really a compilation of uh, best practices which uh, should be adhered to, but it's uh, really not like the laws of cricket or the uh, the Ten Commandments in that regard. And uh, coming to Emma's question, how does this uh, relate to what we are doing. Uh, this is a really important point for us. Uh, since we do not want to make up uh, Gaia-X special rules of our own, it is very important for us to uh, really align with all the stuff going on in, in Europe right now. And therefore, we are uh, already since more than a year in contact with the European Commission, which is responsible for the cloud rulebook and providing them uh, with what we are up to, what we are planning, so uh, to really um, care for a maximum alignment of the cloud rulebook uh, and the Gaia-X policy rules, because uh, obviously for uh, a provider, it's uh, not the best of uh, worlds if he has to adhere to a multitude of rules and a multitude of uh, of policies uh, to make his business here in Europe. Okay, well, and I think... Um... It's also something that relates uh, to the Federation Services project as well. So um, going to the next question I have for you is rather than maybe a lot of people are eager to know how does actually the process look like for a provider to get onboarded on Gaia-X. I think this is also something that is related to the policy rules and um, maybe you can... Uh, is there already a yeah. process in place? Um, if so, can you give us some more information about how it looks like? 
Absolutely. Um, but uh, before we move uh, to that, I, I just want to mention we also have a, a second publication, which is the, the architecture document, which is also very important since you mentioned the federation services. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, the, the policy rules document is setting the guidelines and what's the architecture document. Um, this is something like a map to our uh, Gaia-X galaxy. So uh, to really set out the model, what are the planets uh, in this uh, solar systems? How do they revolve around wow. each other? Uh, what's their uh, impact on another? So uh, this is something which uh, is really new in this uh, architecture document. So really a conceptual model of all the elements of Gaia-X. And uh, the second big thing, the next big thing, uh, is uh, really the federation services that you have um, mentioned, uh, Emma. Um, I guess most of the listeners are, are aware of the fact that with Gaia-X we are not uh, yeah, building up a new monolithic hyperscaler, but that Gaia-X is really about integrating existing or emerging resource, resources and federating them. And what do you have uh, to do to federate them? Well, you got to have federation services. And um, in, in that regard, we have identified for the first step uh, four really uh, important things uh, which have to be provided uh, as reference implementations. First of all is the identity and access management in Gaia-X. So, uh, being able to have a secure, not only a, a secure identity management, but uh, being able to uh, carry your identities across several parts of this uh, federation. Second thing is federated catalog. Uh, uh, in a federation, it is, of course, uh, of uh, paramount importance to really have an overview of what's, what's there. So uh, across uh, distributed um, uh, resources, uh, there has to be a single source of truth where you can see which services are available, how can they be orchestrated, how can, can they be com combined, and this is really the task of the federated catalog. The third is the sovereign data exchange, so making sure uh, that we have the tools and uh, we have the appliances um, to make sure that data can only be used uh, according to the preferences that the data owner has given. So uh, let's say I'm a company which, which wants to share data with others to collaborate, whatever, uh, then you are enabled to say, okay, this is something which uh, maybe only Emma can use and uh, Tim, sorry for that, uh, you don't... Uh, you cannot have a look at that or that you can say okay paul i trust you that you are doing uh, really will not be distributed to third parties and you can only use that this data for certain purposes or for a certain period of time and the fourth point which then comes to your original question emma is really uh, the, the compliance uh, working package, which consists of two components. One is the onboarding and accreditation workflow, and the second is uh, continuous monitoring. So the first uh, has as a goal to really check if uh, the principles of GAIA-X are adhered to by the provider. And the second one, continuous monitoring, I guess is very interesting because it enables um, not just to check at a certain point in time as with a classical uh, certification or attestation, but uh, throughout the whole life cycle of a cloud service, if uh, those promises are 
kept. So uh, what does the onboarding and accreditation workflow to come to your question, Emma, look like? So uh, the provider has to uh, submit, first of all, a so-called self-description of his service. Uh, this is something uh, which is, uh, well, maybe special to Gaia-X, but this is a semantical uh, description of the functional and non-functional aspects of a service, which give an indication of uh, what does this service need uh, as a runtime environment, for example, how can this be combined with uh, other services. Uh, a second uh, part of the onboarding and accreditation workflow is really checking on uh, aspects like cybersecurity. So uh, the uh, service provider will have to uh, produce evidence for this service on how uh, he, she um, uh, handles the, uh, the issues of cybersecurity. The same in the case of uh, processing of personal identifiable information is the question, uh, what precautions, what technical and organizational uh, measures are taken by the service to uh, guarantee for uh, privacy, for, for data protection, and uh, very important, some aspects like uh, transparency. So um, under which law is this uh, service offered? What are the locations? Um, what are the exit clauses, uh, for example, if you want to, to switch services? And uh, what are the possibilities to retrieve your uh, data once uh, you have decided not to continue this service anymore. So uh, this is really the uh, generic onboarding workflow and we are envisioning and we are planning for a staggered approach. So um, as you can imagine, it's not, uh, for example, uh, if we stick to cybersecurity, one size fits all. Not for each application, you got to have the most high security prison, uh, so to speak. So uh, this is an approach which on on the one hand guarantees uh, for small and medium enterprises to enter the Gaia-X universe uh, at, uh, at not that much effort, but on the other hand will provide for an assurance level uh, on the upper end, which will also allow critical infrastructure critical infrastructures like energy providers uh, or uh, government agencies to use uh, Gaia-X services. But I mean, um, as I understood, maybe <laughs> I understood it wrong. <laughs> um, but so this is rather the second step, right? But first, I think there should be a, also a process for the provider to be entitled, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. I think that's the step before actually adding services to the catalog. So is there already um, an end-to-end -end process written down or the idea of how a provider can be onboarded? But, but because I think it's something that needs to be organized uh, centrally, right, from the IISBL as well. I mean... Well, um, uh, first of all, thanks for, for reminding me that I should not uh, just jump through it, but uh, but spend some thought on it. Uh, of course, you are right, Emma. The first step is really the uh, registration of the provider. Uh, so getting the information uh, of the provider. And then the subsequent steps are the registration registration of the services of uh, of this provider this is uh, absolutely true uh, we are we have modeled a uh, process for that uh, which is part of the specification of the federation services which we will come to uh, a little bit later 
And uh, this is something which, well, uh, centrally, um, I mean, the rules have to be put out centrally, but uh, this can also be performed in distributed environments and will be performed in distributed environments. Because uh, one thing is that we have uh, for, for Gaia-X policy rules, a pretty much generic sets which uh, can be applied throughout the board. But if you think about health services, if you think about uh, financial services, if you think about the aerospace or, or defense industry, they all have additional special rules and the federation services uh, allow for uh, adding those rules on top of the generic uh, Gaia-X policy. So um, this is something which will run on, in different environments, but will always be based on the same core set of uh, rules which have to be adhered to. Okay, so it's a rule book of the rule book, basically. It's a rule book, meta rule book. <laughs> okay, but then, um, so so how does it going to work? So you, you apply and you need to fulfill certain criteria beforehand. So basically what you guys have done now is you've basically simplified the process a little bit more, which made it probably, um, forgive my language, but idiot proof um, that pe people basically have the bullet points of what criteria they need to fulfill in order to join the movement. But Thomas, you didn't answer one of the questions, the most important question, which I'm sure many people out of the 600 incoming questions were about is, when is this platform going to be live? When is this platform going to be live? Um, uh, 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 Minister Altmaier and Le Maire uh, called uh, this what we are doing with, with Gaia-X uh, a moonshot. So uh, this is something which uh, hopefully lowers the expectations. <laughs> so this is not something which uh, which can be done. Uh, but when can we see the rendering of the painting? Uh, if, if, if let's say we take Gaia-X yeah. like a piece of art, right? It's a yeah. art collaboration between different artists and they're trying to paint the perfect picture of how the world should look like. Yeah. Um, when are we actually going to see at least the shape of how or what is being drawn? Okay, so you uh, probably in uh, November of this year, you will see the rendering of the brilliant uh, picture. Of course, some colors might be missing at that stage, but uh, they will be applied afterwards. We are already planning for a phase two of the Federation services, which will be um, worked out in, in parallel to the implementation and which will then start probably with the implementation at the end of uh, 21, beginning of 22. Yeah, that's true. And I think um, something that also needs to be clear because I feel like every time I talk to, to people, it, sometimes it's not even that clear what the Federation services are in the end because I feel like a lot of people think it's like a commercial product that they can lean back and then use. But I mean, as you said already, Thomas, I feel like as we are talking about federations, of course, there's also a lot of resources that are necessary on the, let's say, participant federated side. And I think it needs to be clear that the federation services are in the end microservices. And, um, and they are like, and I feel like uh, something that is also important to say if in the implementation phase, we will also make sure to to have a public open repository of the code so that um, people can already look at it. And um, so we have, we will be hopefully much closer also to the use cases and then also talk with them. And I feel like Thomas, you and Andreas are already um, really in close alignment with a lot of initiatives and use cases already. 
Any new new use cases in the in the pipeline bubbling uh, around? Uh, there are constantly uh, new use cases bubbling around. But uh, one one point I, I would like to make, uh, what, uh, which Emma has already made, which is I guess very very important, the whole concept of federation services can only work since we are publishing the code really as open source. So this is not, as Emma said, really a, a product, whatever, but this is really a framework that you can use, that you can plug into your um, special uh, data space to your special use cases. But on the other hand, you are, of course, able to add your use case specific flavor to that, since it will not be possible, not for Gaia X, but probably not even for one of the hyperscalers to solve all the problems of all the business worlds that we have from a central point. So that's really federation is always uh, the theme uh, within Gaia X. So you are enabled to take that and improve on that. I mean, uh, we're not uh, thinking that we will have a perfect version in November. This will not surprise you, Paul. Uh, but uh, this is, is really something, okay, if we have missed something, then go, go ahead, improve on that, uh, add something to that. And uh, coming now to, to your question, Paul, um, what is coming up are uh, a lot of uh, new use cases. I mean, the strength of Gaia-X, in my opinion, is really that we have uh, at this moment more than 400 companies which are actively working on Gaia-X from all different domains, small companies, global companies, you name it, we got it. Uh, so uh, what's uh, at this moment happening is, for example, in, in Germany, what was formerly called the Automotive Alliance and what is now known as Catena-X is really to organize the supply chains throughout the whole automotive industries using Gaia X as a platform, using Gaia X uh, as the foundation for that. Um, we are uh, in discussion with uh, one domain which I thought uh, originally was uh, not very receptive to cloud, which is the financial sector. And I was surprised to learn um, that uh, even in the financial sector, which is heavily regulated, there is the need for cloud applications, but for cloud applications, which adhere to certain regulations, to certain standards. And there we are coming back to the, um, uh, to the policy rules. And uh, on top of that, uh, we have very interesting use cases, uh, for example, in the agricultural industry, which was also something which uh, surprised me. But uh, even in the agricultural industry, uh, there is a high need for cloud applications to really uh, make sure uh, that uh, the resources uh, are, are used uh, efficiently in, in agriculture. And this is, I think, in all of our common interests that uh, we only uh, are using uh, chemical weapons, so to speak, uh, to the extent absolutely possible, and not uh, with uh, uh, and not like a, a like a crapshoot. Um, what I want to ask you, I mean, the, the whole debate about the, the, the big names getting involved. Um, did you think that debate has any substance? And do you, do you can you relate yourself to the concerns that some of your, let's say, co co-initiators have with it or can you not relate yourself well um <laughs> about dropping names nah. like i this is maybe you want to ask this answer this on a personal level put your title and your hat off and like because it's i i think this is actually the main debate at the moment because 
um, not to blackmail anybody here, but uh, some will say, well, we don't want them here. But then, like, for example, OVH Cloud it goes in a partnership with Google. So you basically have Google through OVH Cloud here. So is it then that the big hyperscalers need to basically piggyback off the European data center providers, cloud providers, in order to get the entrance ticket? But that doesn't really solve the problem, does no. it? Uh, I mean, I, I can relate to that uh, but I don't share that opinion, uh, if, if that makes uh, sense. Uh, at the beginning, um, uh, well, I, I too had some concerns, to be to be really honest, uh, because uh, we want with uh, Gaia X um, really create something which adheres to European values, and I've been part of a lot of uh, European projects where uh, some of larger non-European companies use the opportunity to really stop the process or uh, slow down the, the process. So uh, from that experience, I, I could relate to some of the concerns. On the other hand, um, almost all of the companies are um, are working on a multinational level. Even the smaller and medium uh, enterprises in the manufacturing industry in, in Germany are exporting to all parts of the world. So um, to really have an infrastructure which uh, which is um, useful for, the, for those companies, which uh, really caters to the needs of those companies, you have to include also non-European companies. This is uh, something which is, is really essential. And those companies do not have to piggyback, as you uh, as you called it. Um, we accept in, in Gaia-X services from all parts of the world, provided that they adhere to the policy rules and that they demonstrate that they adhere to the policy rules. doesn't matter if it's an American company, an Australian, Japanese, whatever. So uh, this is really the most uh, important thing that um, this is really an open infrastructure. And this is uh, something which can be used in all parts of the world. Um, and I mean, um, Google and Amazon Web Services, uh, for example, uh, to name just two, are part of my open work package on compliance. So they are actively contributing, Microsoft, by the way, and IBM also, uh, they are actively and constructively contributing to the, um, to the goals of Gaia-X. And as long as that's the case, then uh, I think we have the best of both worlds. So adhering to European values, but on the other hand, the technical competence, which is undoubtedly there uh, of uh, some of the hyperscalers. Yeah, I think, I mean, um, to give the, the punk statement to that is that, um, I mean, what we have seen uh, is, is the, the hyperscalers are definitely, um, I wouldn't say they're more advanced, but um, I think that they're, they're just, they're thinking 10, 15 years ahead. I mean, if it's projects like uh, sustainability, net zero, 2030, I mean, we're still debating in Germany whether we're allowed to build data centers or not, and they're already thinking about how to build them um, water positive, right? This is something which we don't even think about in Germany yet. Um, and I think with bringing the big guys in, you can take the knowledge because they're really very um, free to share their knowledge. And we've came across this a lot um, if you knock on Google stores, they will always share the knowledge with you. And this is something we can actually learn from because I think in Germany, one of the biggest problems is that we rather discuss things too long before we actually take decisions. So I think uh, with bringing the big boys into place, it uh, might put some fire under some people's 
bottoms. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, that's one aspect. And uh, another aspect is, of course, uh, one of the problems we have, especially in Germany, that the adaptation rate for technologies like, like cloud or, or edge is um, rather in the lower percentile of, uh, of Europe. So it's in the interest of all providers uh, that uh, even the hyperscalers uh, that we lower some of the of the barriers uh, if they're real or, or imagined uh, by the by the consumers we can debate uh, till the cows come home but uh, we have to uh, lower some of those barriers to really develop the market well that's great and um, Thomas thank you for coming here to guy X good morning and giving us the lovely updates and um, you, as, uh, you and uh, several other visitors who have been on the podcast and said that in autumn the platform will be ready, will be uh, hold accountable <laughs> at some point. I'm sure, if, I'm sure we're going to see each other on some panel that I'm going to play the recording and be like, oh, what happened there? But um, now we wish you guys best of luck and it's really great that you guys are doing this initiative and um, thanks for the hard work you're putting into this because I know you guys are um, making dreams become true and putting them actually down on paper. And this is something uh, which is, um, well, which is very rare these days. And uh, like Andreas likes to say, it's uh, it's done with writing everything on paper. Let's actually put it down on the floor and uh, make it happen. So um, thank you for coming on this podcast, Thomas. And, uh, Thanks for having me, Paul. And as you said, dreams come true. My, my, my real dream is to be on Aruba uh, during the autumn of this year and uh, that you cannot reach me to hold me accountable for the stuff that I said today. And um, I wanted to ask you, we always ask our guests, um, do you want to leave um, something for the generations to come? The stage is all yours. A little statement, Thomas. It's all yours. You can leave a little note. For the oh. follow your footsteps one day. Ooh, that's a that's a really <laughs> tough one. You uh, <laughs> you get me there. Uh, I mean, um, what uh, for my experience in the in the policy rules and the architecture document, which is still fresh in my mind, I want to quote the uh, great philosophers of uh, Daft Punk um, to say, "Work is never over." Okay, great. Thank you so much, Thomas. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, Emma, as well. Thank Bye, you. Guys. Bye. Thank you.